0: I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, the paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I am your host, Aaron Sagers, also appearing as host on the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted, and the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show Paranormal caught on camera. When it comes to the English tradition of telling ghost stories during Christmas time, Charles Dickens still reigns supreme, with medieval scholar M.R. James in a very close second place. But in recent years, my guest today has quickly earned mention alongside those two by reinvigorating the United Kingdom's heritage of holiday horror. Mark Gatiss is best known for his work on Doctor Who, Sherlock, Dracula, and with the comedy troupe League of Gentlemen, but the writer, actor, and comedian, and director has become the force behind the BBC's Revival of a Ghost Story for Christmas series of television films. Now, the original run of Annuals was largely helmed by Lawrence gordon Clark and that aired from 1971 to 78, before returning sporadically in 2005. Gate made his directorial debut in 2013 with the Tractate *Midoth*, the ghost story adaptation of M.R. James's work. He has since written and directed three more for the series, the James adaptations of Martin's Close, The Mezzotent, and Gatiss' own original story, The Dead Room, along with writing the miniseries Crooked House in 2008 and writing and directing The Amazing Mr. Blunden in 2021. Uh, Both of those aired at Christmas as well. Now Mark Gatiss is back as the writer and director for Count Magnus, the long-anticipated adaptation of M.R. James's 1904 work, and that airs on December 23rd, on BBC2 and drops the same day on the streaming service BritBox. The short film revolves around travelogue author Mr. Raxhall, played by Jason Watkins, who discovers a tyrannical count from the past while visiting an ancient Swedish manor house. Upon learning of the count's unholy pilgrimage, Raxhall is gripped with this dangerous curiosity about the ominous figure's dark dealings and his monstrous companion. This is a perfect example of a classic ghost story by James, who was really a master of the genre and would narrate his yarns to friends and students during the holiday season while serving as provost at King's College and Eton College in the UK in the early 19th century. Well, without further ado, let's bring in Mark Gatiss mark thank you so much for joining me today pleasure merry christmas merry christmas um okay so there's this quote i'm I'm so excited to speak with you because i am a nerd for ghost stories and christmas ghost stories in particular and there's the jerome k jerome quote that it it is always christmas eve in a ghost story
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: it is this quintessentially British tradition. I think it's slowly making its way over to the States, but what was your first Christmas ghost story that you recall? What was the thing that maybe as a child got under your skin?
1: Oh, it's Christmas Carol. Uh, I saw the Albert Finney movie when I was four, four, four. Yeah. 1970. And um it left a profound impression on me it's never really left me still my favorite story and that but what i didn't realize obviously as a four-year-old was that dickens kind of is almost responsible for the whole package the whole association of christmas and ghosts really stems from there and from four distinctively different types of spook you know in what in one fell swoop um interesting there was a documentary on the bbc a few years ago called Dickens and the Invention of Christmas, which was a repeated last night, which is very handy. But and, and it talks about how um, the presenter holds up a newspaper for Christmas Day, 1843. And there is no mention of Christmas anywhere in the paper because it was it was fading away. And Dickens story completely revitalized it. And and a lot of traditions, which we now think is of ancient, were sort of reinvented around that time, you know, but I think Dickens is hugely a huge part of it. And then what comes off that is the need to tell these kind of stories at this time of year. People always ask me this time of year, uh, why Christmas and ghosts go together so well. And I, I think it's partly Dickens and it's partly because we are, it's a very, it's a liminal time. We are looking backwards and looking forwards. Christmas is most joyous and melancholy, and that's, I mean, what could be more perfect for that time than a ghost story around the fireside?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because the Christmas traditions, you know, you've sometimes heard perhaps about the war on Christmas in the U.S., this culture war, but really what is fascinating to me is the war on Christmas was actually started by uh, puritanical Christians who who saw the pagan origins and wanted nothing to do with Christmas
1: <laughs> I, I I'm not going to say physician heal thyself
0: Aaron.
1: <laughs> but it's uh, that is a particularly American problem these days yeah, I think it's true, no, well, it's well, true. Uh, again I mean the Puritans banned Christmas basically because of it was too popish it was too Catholic it was a it was a, a Christ mass and yeah. And also, it's, it's all about idolatry. There's all kinds of saints and symbols and, and fir trees and things which had to be got rid of. But happily, we've got those all back
0: now. <laughs> yeah, all all thanks to Jolly Ollie, right? Oliver Cromwell, yeah. who uh, <laughs> who was had his own little war on Christmas. Well, but it's, it, with Dickens, it seems like you know he grew up in the countryside initially before his father went into debtor's prison. And uh, a Washington Irving, an American, a New Yorker, uh, he wrote the uh, the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crown, I believe, gentlemen, and explained this countryside uh, tradition of telling ghost stories, which it seems like maybe Dickens encountered and was even inspired by uh, once he became a journalist and had lived a harder life after that moment. So it was almost like... Uh, one of us, uh, one of us Americans over here, uh, Irving, that may have inspired Dickens or re- reminded Dickens a little
1: bit. I mean, and Dickens was obsessed with Christmas, uh, and I think, the, in a way, the Christmas of his youth is what he sort of gives us back. Uh, it's in Pickwick Papers, and then obviously Christmas Carol. But I mean, I think it's a—it's like the ghost story itself. It's a traveling phenomenon. Um, there is a there's a really good documentary we've seen about folk horror on Amazon. And it taught, it goes in depth about the I'm sure you've seen it, <laughs> about the um, about the English tradition. But then what's really great is it does everything else, and especially the sort of American uh, translation of it into. And then it becomes its own thing. I think that's what's really fascinating about about monsters and ghosts in particular is how they travel the world and become their own thing. Um, and do you know what? Have you seen a film called Under the Shadow?
0: Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I love that film and I, I was on a bafta jury uh, for best it was for best newcomer and that was just a link on a on an email and the first ten minutes I oh no, this is good it's it's about a, a woman who's no longer allowed to be a doctor because of the Iranian Revolution set in Tehran in 1980 and then ten minutes and you go oh Christ, it's a ghost story <laughs> and uh, it's about a jinn, isn't it and and yeah. i I love that about the form I think is that you can take what is essentially the cliche of a haunted house movie, but you set it in Iran in 1980 and everything about it is new again, you know?
0: Well, you have, yeah. So Dickens introduced this Carol philosophy, goodwill towards men, something that was very novel at the time uh, during, during Christmas. And so he introduced many of the ways that we continue to celebrate Christmas and granted Americans then added that extra uh, uh, jolly Santa Claus character in its modern form. But, M.R. James, his stories were outwardly scary and macabre and really went there with the horror, which really kind of channels some of the paganistic pre-Christian monsters that would stalk the winter time. So for you, what was that initial connection with M.R. James where you're like, this is the Christmas ghost story that uh I wanna I wanna tell, I want to adapt?
1: Well, I mean, I was, uh, I grew up with the BBC versions uh, of the 1970s, Lawrence Gordon Clark's wonderful films. And that, I mean, the whole tradition starts with Jonathan Miller's Whistle and I'll Come to You in 1968. And um, that sort of repopularized James, I think. Um, uh, but he, you know, everyone acknowledge him, acknowledges him as the, as the master of, of the English ghost story. And it's its just a particular, it's a formula, really, isn't it? I mean, he, he just knows how to do it. And... Ideally, what you want is a kind of middle-aged Englishman, sort of old beyond his years, rather set in his ways, who who transgresses somehow, you know, a warning to the curious, is is could obviously be the subtitle to all of them, because it's it's about not dabbling in things you don't understand, and, and ignoring red flags, <laughs> which is what... Um, Mr. Raxl in my latest one uh, absolutely does, he, he just blithely ignores all the warning signs um, but James uh, wrote them to be read aloud on Christmas Eve uh, by himself he fills them full of funny characters because I think he wanted to do funny voices to entertain his students and um, they're, they're such a, a, a unique combination of things he called, he, he called them a pleasing terror so there's something of course comforting about the christmas eve fireside and sitting with your friends with a glass of sherry listening to these stories but james is not afraid to go there as you say there are there are the, he was a firm believer that the ghosts should not be benevolent or misunderstood they're they're basically nasty and vengeful and very strange and frightening demonic or sort of almost sometimes sort of lovecraftian things which shouldn't be named and you know, some of the most disturbing imagery is 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 so non-specific. You know, it's basically in *Whistle and I Come to You*. It's a sort of bolt of cloth. There's another one it's in the *Uncommon Prayer Book*, where there's a kind of cursed prayer book, and and what's described as happening is a big safe is opened at the end, and it looks like a sort of a carpet falls on someone, but it's, it's obviously not a carpet. It's some kind of wraith. Um, but it's so it's so insubstantial, you can't really get a, get a fix on it.
0: I, and, and Count Magnus is actually one of my favorites. And you, you mentioned uh, this Lovecraftian element to it, mm. and I won't spoil anything. But with Count Magnus, when, when I've listened to those stories, I, I, I've read, and also uh, when I go on long road trips, especially when I'm driving through uh, dark areas of, of middle America at night, a MR James story is just perfect for that. I think I've heard yeah. you narrate a few of them as well. And mm. so Count mm. Magnus is great because you are really this, this creeping dread. You're really, it's up to you, the reader, to determine what that shape is, what yes. that monster looks like. That has to provide a unique challenge for you when you're adapting it because you do lean on these lovecrafting elements, but you kind of, you, you show the goods a little bit.
1: Yes, I think and I think you have to. Um, when I interviewed John Carpenter years ago, he, he has no time for the Val Luton school of not showing things. He's like, you yeah, know, if it's a monster, show the fucking monster. <laughs> and uh, but I, I think somewhere between the two is also nice because you can hint and you leave a lot to the imagination, you know. But I was uh, I, I actually called the thing in this one the shape. It's in the credits as the shape. Uh, <laughs> And um in the story it's it's a peculiarly small cloaked thing with a protuberance like like the tentacle of a, a devil fish as it describes it. Sort of it is very Lovecraft, it's sort of sl, sort of slug-like thing. Um so uh, I wanted to show enough of it to 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 feed the imagination, but not so much that it just becomes a kind of CG uh Affair, which I couldn't afford to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. But that's also, it's also—it's not just a question of, of budget. It's—it is—it's about using your imagination and, and suggesting things. We—one of my favourite bits in the story, in the in the adaptation, is right at the end when he's in the tomb and um, no. the padlock drops famously, and uh, um, that's I, the first horror film I ever saw was *Brides of Dracula*. Um, and they do they do it, they do the padlock dropping, and I'm sure it's from Count Magnus. I'm sure that's what inspired them to do it. And it terrified me as a child. It's the idea of you just see it in in shot boom, yeah. and it clatters. And it's such a strangely powerful thing. It's, there's nothing to it really, but it, it, it does something wrong. You know, you, you think someone's stirring who should not be stirring, or as it says in the story, you will meet with persons walking who should not be walking. Isn't that a yeah.
0: marvelous line? Marvelous. My, my early horror education was, uh, you know, I was, I was born in the late 70s, was raised on, um, you know, Wes Craven, 80s horror slasher movies. And then, of course, my horror education grew. And a lot of the, the horror movies I grew up with was... It was punishing the promiscuity of the youth and the curiosity of the youth and the recklessness. But as you alluded to earlier, MR James punishes the older, <laughs> punishes, the, <laughs> you know, and and it's the 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 traveler, the curious gent that's uh, out in the world, somewhat naive because he's seen a lot, not a particularly evil gentleman in most cases. Just the guy that checks, wants to find out what's in the room at the end of the hall, at that, at that lodge. There's
1: there's no, there's no facility for saying sorry in F.R. James. You can't just, I mean, one of my absolute favorite bits in, in Warren to the Curious is Lawrence Gordon Clark's second one with Peter Vaughan about the, the man trying to find the lost crown of, of England. And he finds this thing, this crown, which has a guardian over it, as you know, and he shows it to these people in the hotel. And it's it's the most it's the rarest thing you can imagine. It's the lost crown of East Anglia. And the guy says, "What are you going to do with it?" And he says, "I'm going to put it back." And it's it's such a it's such a sad line. And you just nothing. It doesn't matter. It's too late. No okay. digging in. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: how would you, having having been uh, raised on the Christmas ghost story and on horror in general, how would you, Mark Gatiss, at this point in your life, fare? In one of these stories, would you be <laughs> give into your curiosity, or would you just turn the other direction? You see, I, I like
1: you, I'm always haunted by the idea of it. Sometimes I find myself, you know, in an archive or or interviewing old actors for documentaries and something like that. And I think this is a very Mr. James situation. And maybe I don't realize that I've accidentally backed into one. You know, <laughs> it's like. You know that film that was never finished. Maybe there's a reason it was not finished. Yeah, I I think he does. He haunts. He haunts us all in that sense. I, a few years ago, I um I was actually going to a funeral, and um it was in Brighton. It was just outside Brighton in a natural burial ground. An old friend of mine, and for some reason I do not know why I could have just gone to Brighton and gone there. I decided to stay overnight very close to the burial ground. And I checked into an old pub and I remember being dropped off by the taxi. And I stood there looking like Max von Sydow, the exorcist poster. And I went in and I said, I've booked a room. And I thought, what have I done? I, <laughs> this, this is this is quintessential, MR James. And I'll be very lucky to get out of here alive.
0: Maybe. I'll I, <laughs> my journalistic nature is always curious, but I also hope that if I check into an old seaside and, uh, that if, if the innkeeper says you yeah, just yeah. leave it be, don't ask that question. Don't, I hope, I hope that I could just be like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll just leave it be. <laughs> uh, before, before I take leave of you, I am curious because MR James, of course he was a, a a great performer in his own right, as well as an antiquarian and an academic these stories are so perfect to be read out loud. That's what he did on a Christmas Eve. So in addition to adapting these stories and moving pictures, are you going to be telling any ghost stories on Christmas Eve?
1: Oh, um, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be here. No, well, my partner's doing pantomime, so he'll be doing two shows. His parents are coming down. I don't know. We, I, I tell you, what, I, I don't, I don't normally tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. But I am a big fan, and I, I sort of collect true ghost stories from people. And I would recommend, if as a sort of parlor game, if especially over Christmas, if there's enough of you, if there's sort of eight or ten people, just introduce the idea of it, and I bet you any money, you'll get one good one, which is worth thinking about you know people go people uh, nothing's ever happened to me and all they tell a they'll tell a story which happened to a friend of a friend which is very mr james and turns out to be some sort of urban myth and then usually the quietest person will say something happened to me once and i've got some caulkers over the years from i mean really really strange experiences so that's always worth doing i
0: think i i do collect them and uh oh. and and research them this is very much entertainment journalist and then paranormal historian, <laughs> investigator. That's yes, a, not so much investigator, but historian <laughs> looking into the spiritualist movement and all that stuff. And, have uh, you have you heard Danny
1: Robbins' uh, podcast, Uncanny?
0: Yes, yes,
1: yeah. Now that um, the first story about the, the the student accommodation in Belfast is amazing. It's, I think it's really it really scared the pants off of me, and that has the most. The the thing you always long for, which is multiple accounts, isn't it? People go, oh yeah, I stayed in that room, and there was yeah. something wrong with it. And then you go, well, now there's a tradition. There's something. There's something there, you know. I something. would
0: recommend um, a podcast called Spooked. It's uh, very much audio submission, like uh, listener submissions, but it's produced and also Radio Rental by Payne Lindsay and hosted by Rain Wilson uh, of The Office. So those are good ones, Great. but what I love about a ghost story is that for the most part, people at least, I think, I think especially in the U S but you find it in these sort of jaded cynical times, people always start with, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in any of that nonsense, but there was that one time. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's when you get the good and that,
1: story. That's also the form of the story, isn't it? That's, yeah. you know, you saw, as James said, you know, you want to start with about 30 years ago or shortly after the war so what he calls the haze of distance and it's amazing how powerful that is that it just gives it a little a, a kind of bracket or parentheses which make it seem somehow convincing you know uh, especially if it's come from a non-believer you know yeah. the gentleman in question was a policeman of 30 years standing and, and you you know he just immediately like he's solid he's not going to talk bullshit and then and then he goes oh, and then and when one night,
0: <laughs> and then it, you're off. It's it's very similar culturally to the urban legend of I once I went to school with a kid who knew someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. a friend of a friend. So uh, yeah. and finally, I know we're over, out of time, but what is the next story if you can tease? Because the oh. Count Magnus should have been adapted a long time ago. I know that was initially they wanted mm-hmm. to in the original 1970s run. You finally got a crack at it. What would be the next Mr. James story that you would like to adapt for a Christmas ghost story?
1: Well, the thing, as I've said elsewhere, it's a, it's very difficult to to get them made. Um, not because there isn't a will; it's just because the slot is is the slot is a kind of seventy slot. It's a one off half hour play, which really does not exist anymore. So i i fight every year and and luckily so far i've been successful in convincing people to give me just enough money to make them but um i uh, i can't guarantee it but i'd obviously i'd love to do casting the runes uh i think it's that maybe is the holy grail because it's it, i think it's james's most ambitious story as well it's it's it it's big isn't it and it's, i mean that's probably the reason it became Night of the demon because it is actually rather a whopper but it's such a good story, and, and it's replete with great parts, especially um, Carswell, of course. Um, so uh, that's that's the next one I'd love to do if I am so blessed.
0: <laughs> well, we would be blessed if you were able to do it as well. Uh, Mark Gatiss, it is such a pleasure talking to you. We need to do a mm-hmm. whole other conversation yes. just about ghost stories. Why and, don't and
1: we? we have, this is not long enough.
0: I know. <laughs> we need to make this happen. We'll get <laughs> that But uh, thank you so much, sir. Happy Christmas and uh, season screamings. Yay, very good. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus, and please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.